We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Honda Classic Picks, First Look Research, and a segment of Guess the Odds, which, of course, that we all enjoy for being so horribly wrong. Remember to smash the like button to the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, and in the comment section, give me your early lean for the winner at PGA National this week. DraftKings Listeners League is available. 3,500 spots, rake-free, three max. Go play in it. It's down in the description right now. Let's fill that quickly so we can keep building this up so maybe we can get like 7,000 for the Players' Championship. Additionally, the newsletter is down in the description as well. Free to join. There'll be a Sunday night and a Wednesday newsletter with information, all that fun stuff, everything pertaining to golf for the moment. You missed the Custy Show on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever the hell it came out. I was away for most of the week. We'll get to that in a second. We'll probably get on to that on more on Monday's show with Feinberg. Uh, but you should go check that out. Custy's voting is open until February 28th. And to watch the panel show, I mean, if you love Kenny Kim, you're going to love that show. It's pretty awesome for Kenny and delivers big laughs. Apologies for the DraftKings show last week. I was on location. We couldn't get it shot before I left because the pricing, thanks DraftKings, wasn't out as of yet. And it was very poor quality. I apologize for that. That's probably the worst quality show that I've put out in five and a half years. I guess it happens when you try to use hotel Wi-Fi. Not great. Should be moving into the new studio tomorrow. I got a new camera, new lighting in my home studio so hopefully there aren't too many technical errors with this show but i want to jump in 
to the Honda Classic. Talk about the field this week. Pretty strong. We're getting a huge influx of international players that we just haven't seen so far this year. So beyond the Berger, Brooks, Louie, Sungjae, Neiman, let's see if he ends up winning. I'm recording this during the final round of the Genesis Invitational. So if Neiman holds on to win, maybe he withdraws next week. Who knows? Cameron Tringali, Billy Horschel, uh, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed, Keith Mitchell, Matthew Wolf is back, Gary Woodland, Bezadenhout, Norin, Lucas Herbert, Garrick Higos, so some good players. But we also get the influx of Shane Lowry for the first time this year. Tommy Fleetwood usually makes the Honda his debut, and he's going to be doing no different this year. Uh, Nikolai Hogard coming off a win two weeks ago. He's like the Siwoo Kim. I mean, he's only 21 years old. I guess Siwoo's super young too. But when you go and look at his like game log from the European Tour, it's miscut, miscut first, miscut second, miscut fourth, first, miscut, miscut. So he's going to be in the field this time around. Martin Keimer, Ian Poulter, Henrik Stenson, Lee Westwood, who made his run at this tournament a year ago. And our guy, Danny Willett, debuting for 2022 on the PGA Tour. So the Honda Classic field, we love this course. It's probably the toughest that they see every single year, even before you add in the elements of gusty winds and everything like that. So it's fun to see a lot of European players around. So let's jump into the course. Let's jump over here, see if my new setup can can manage this. Oh, there we go. Look, we're on FantasyNational.com. If you want to become a member and do the walkthrough with me or create your own stats, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo will get you 20% off over there this week and in perpetuity. If you just sign up for any of the memberships, you're going to be good to go. So let's load it in. We have the, obviously, we got the Honda field highlighted. Let's go to the stats model and just load that in. So we have it, you know, handy for us when we want to do the jumping around. Where's PGA National? PGA National. Uh, we'll get more on that. I'll load that in right now just so we can continue to click around a little bit. I want to go to past course conditions and go to the course breakdown because we want to be looking at the field right now and the course. Uh, as mentioned, it's PGA National. It's a par 70, 7,125 yards on Bermuda grass greens. One of the most difficult courses. You can see scoring relative to par every round, except for the first round in 2017. That was average compared to the rest of the PGA Tour. And 2017 third round average for the PGA Tour. The green firmness, uh, it can get firm. It's usually around medium, hitting the fairways is usually pretty average because if you're not in the fairway, you're going to be in the middle of the water. So that's going to be rather critical this week. Don't put it in the water. And like, it's one of these things when we look at scrambling here in a second where, yeah, you want to be a good scrambler, but it's not like around the green scrambling because most of your scrambling is going to come from like 177 yards because your third shot is going to be from the water. You take your drop, it's from the rough. So there's going to be a lot of mid irons. We're going to see that approach really does outweigh everything here. It's a Fazio design, Jack Nicholas redo. And we can click on the Nicholas link on Fantasy National as well a little bit later on to see how that goes. The course breakdown, as you can see, that there is a little bit of a lull if you do want to play guys starting on the back nine on, for showdown purposes, at least on DraftKings, as you can see, that hole is 10 and 11, the second and third most difficult on the course. So if you start on the back, you start on number 10, then you get the par five, which is the second easiest hole. You get number one, which is the third easiest hole. And then you get number two, which is like a mid-tier. I guess you could birdie uh, the very difficult number 17, the last end of the bear trap coming through. There's actually three stretches here. So 15, 16, and 17 are the bear trap. That's the one that gets all the notoriety for being super difficult. However, although it doesn't really reflect it here, it's number six that really does most of the damage. Five, six, and seven 
since 2007 actually play to the same amount of difficulty. They are both tied for being the fourth most difficult three-hole stretch on the PGA Tour, if we don't include majors. So it just doesn't have a clever nickname or its own dedicated TV feed or anything like that. So that that's one way to look at it here. You can see that approach more than doubles up off the green. And like I mentioned, with scrambling, around the green doesn't really matter as much as it has the past few weeks at the Genesis or the Waste Management because so much of the scrambling actually comes from way down because the water plays such an impactful role. As you can see, approach becomes more magnified once we upgrade this to the top five finishers on the board off the tee means a lot driving distance actually means a lot at this course weirdly enough you wouldn't think so with a par 71 super short course but it can go a long way you see the depreciation of strokes gained around the green putting's always going to pop its ugly head up as we go through everything got to score on the par threes here just don't it's not that you need to score on the par threes it's that you need to not throw the entire tournament away on the par threes. That's probably a better way to approach everything when we're thinking about this. Just keep it out of the water and you're going to be fine. Ryan Palmer's the worst player, if you needed to know, on the bear trap. I think he's plus 40 over the course of his career. All the other holes seem to be pretty fine. Uh, you can see the cut line last year was plus two, plus four the year before that, plus three, plus six. A lot of that's going to be dependent on the wind. I'd say plus two, plus three is in normal conditions really the best way to project it out but if the gusts start picking up you can see some of these outlier years plus six plus seven plus five it's gonna be over par it has yet to be under par since 2007 that's when the course first debuted as the honda classic uh for this tournament before that it was somewhere else in florida but it's the pga national championship course this time around greens and regulation super low again Scrambling percentage, super low, only 55%. Again, so much of that has to do with the water. You can go low with this course. It's possible. Uh, but you really need to have all your faculties going about you. Can you rebound from making a bad birdie? Or making a bad bogey, sorry. You can see the average driving distance here is only 272.7. A lot of that is forced layups because you don't want to drive it too far and end up in the water, end up in one of these weird runoff areas where the water ends up coming through. And again, like when we think about that, yeah, you have to keep in mind that the longer hitters do have an advantage because it improves their accuracy because they don't need to hit driver. They can hit driver on the par fives, get there in two, try to make eagle. That's feasible for the longer players in the field. For the shorter players, it might not be like eagle wise as easy to dominate on the par fives. As you can see, there's the two par fives on the course, number 18 and number three, the eagle rate on number 18, 1.7%, 2.3%. So it is feasible to get there in two. Number 18 is actually you know, pretty hard, uh, although it's the second easiest hole on the course, 4.77 scoring average. There's still plenty of ways you can make horrible numbers on number 18. Uh, and number three is the easiest hole on the course. You, you probably want to Get out the gates and at least make birdie there. 42% of the field makes birdie. 2.3% makes eagle. You have to have that one. And the longer hitters are just going to have an easier time. Plus some of these longer par fours, because you don't have to hit driver if you're a bomber, you can downgrade to a five iron, four iron hybrid, whatever it is that you want to hit. Improve your accuracy. Try to take the rough and take the water out of play. And then even if you're just laying up to the point where most people hit your driver, you're still going to have a shorter iron in thus becoming more accurate on your approach shot so that's sort of the thesis of why the bigger hitters have had a lot of success here because you think you would want you know your brian Harmon types not to say that those guys are completely disqualified uh from contending here it's easier for the brian stewards of the world to potentially contend i do think that the path is a little bit easier for those who hit the ball quite a ways 
take a look back at what happened last year, the Matt Jones year. I went back and looked at my picks. Uh, I actually had Joaquin Neiman at this tournament, so that's always fun. See what happened in 2021. You see Matt Jones kind of ran away with it. We can click on the strokes gained. Oop, don't want to go there. We want to go to 2021. There we go. Open that in a new tab for us. Matt Jones, Brandon Hagee. One, two, Denny McCarthy, C.T. Pan, who's having a pretty nice week right now, actually, at the Genesis Invitational. Seifert and Steele. Steele, you can see, two top fives the past two years, a T14 in 2017. On top of that, uh, Sung J.M., the winner when we were at the DFS Open, uh, Feinberg was there. So it was Kenny rooting the guys on from the box. I actually think that was the year that Mac came in second and Feinberg was hanging out with his mom on like the 18th like fairway as Mac tried to bring it in tight, pulled it a bit left, and that was the end of him. Sung Jay goes on to win. Zach Johnson inside the top 10. So there's some of the shorter hitters. Not a lot of the big, big bombers end up playing. But you see Aaron Wise, Coastal Coastal course specialist, just like uh, Graham McDowell back in the day. Uh, he's someone who's had some success here. Harry Higgs is going to be in the tournament this year. He was inside the top 20s, made the cut in both years. You can see just so much red, even along with, like, it takes two bad shots and you're out of this tournament. So yeah, it's one of the more random ones. That's the one thing you should note about the Florida swing, especially with the Players' Championship coming up, is that the amount of variance once you add in water to a lot of these courses is just going to be exponentially higher than the random variance that variants that there normally would be with just putting on a random tour event like your ball striking can be good outside of two shots and you're absolutely cooked so you got crooked numbers everywhere else in 2020 oh, there we go sung jay mac hughes tommy fleetwood lee westwood was no lee westwood was cut at this one last year then he went to bay hill and challenged bryson the next week but he was t4 at this tournament this is also last year you have to remember it was played three weeks later than it normally is because of the weird covid schedule it's back to its normal time slot at the end of february it might be even a week in advance of where it normally was so i mean i don't think it's going to really affect it that much the grounds crew did have a little bit of a time keeping everything short keeping everything as fast as it was normally be but it, it did resemble what we're looking at here oh god luke donald i bet you the model is going to love Luke Donald because his approach just quick quick aside on Luke Donald for a second former number one player in the world we know all about this probably going to join that Saudi tour uh before long enough look at these approach numbers like if he could do anything else well I mean he used to be like the world's greatest putter I think he went an entire season without a three putt or something crazy like that 2.5 and a miscut one in two rounds at Pebble Beach, 3.4 at the Sony Open. Sony is a good corollary course for here. We've seen a lot of guys over time either win both or perform well at both. Obviously, JT has won at each. Mark Wilson had won at each uh, back in the day. Russell Henley has won both these tournaments. I think Russell Henley won this one. I think so. He, was, he lost in a playoff, at least. Ryan Palmer has lost in a playoff in both. I think he may have won Sony back in the day, but he lost in a playoff here as well. Keith Mitchell, someone who usually performs really well at the Sony Open. Obviously, he beat Ricky and Brooks a few years ago at this course when it was Brooks and Keith doing the bomber-type stuff. And you're probably looking at a winning score that's single digits under par. So you don't need to be the greatest birdie maker in the world. You need to amp it up a little bit. But can you save your pars? Can you putt pretty well? It's going to be very, very important this week. Let's take a look at the end. There's the historic conditions, the breakdown. Where are we at here? The stroke scanned from last year. Matt Jones just put on a clinic last year, if you don't remember. Uh, it was a bit of a runaway. One by five strokes. Haggy made a little bit of a charge. Matt Jones actually played in the final group with J.B. Holmes. Uh, where did old J.B. end up finishing? 
Oh, I'm using using the wrong keyboard there. I'm getting used to my new studio here. Yeah, he ended up coming in a T46. Yeah, he played in the final group last year, though. Way to go, JB. Uh, things got off the rails early for him. So McCarthy, Haggy, Seifert, Steele. You can see who led in strokes gained approach last year. It was Ari Eggs. All right, lost 3.1 strokes. But he's playing some pretty good golf. Coming in, continues to make the cut every single week. So maybe Harry Higgs is going to be a quick look for us to start things off. Wouldn't expect 8.1 strokes gained on approach. This year, but you know, if you can be in that like three, four range, we're not doing bad. Kadira is actually the second alternate into this tournament. I know everyone loved him at Pebble Beach, but this is somewhere where we can potentially look back at him if he sneaks back into the field. I saw Byunhan An isn't qualifying this week too. I thought that was kind of hilarious. Uh, hopefully Benny Ann can get in so I can waste money on using Benny Ann. Sam Ryder continues to put up some pretty good numbers. This was at the beginning of a stretch. The it wasn't the beginning of a stretch. He had just lost. Remember, I had him at the tournament that Joel Damon won. Puerto Rico, one of those ones. Let's see here. Now, it was the next week. Yeah, so this was the beginning of the kick for him. He was eighth at Honda, and then the next week at Corrales, while the match play was going on, he ends, or was that the concession? Who knows? No, it was the match play. He ends up coming second. That's one where Campos had the fist pump, but it didn't go in, and Joel Damon ended up winning. So that was the beginning of a nice little run for him. As you can see, you know, he's T23 in Phoenix, uh, made the cut at Sony. Uh, the approach was looking a little bit better. We can dig into him when we look at the Genesis numbers towards the end of the show as well. He was someone that uh, you know, kind of stuck out to me. Very good eagle rate on him. Cam Davis kind of tore it up a little bit, lost a bunch of strokes around the green. You can't be bad around the greens at the same time. Nick Taylor and Hank Lebiota absolutely cleaned up through approach and absolutely nowhere else on the way to a miscut. They were probably the two best guys, along with Cameron Percy, who I believe I bet last year. I think it was a very popular selection last year. You know, the approach, it was there. Nothing else. I guess the driving was okay. 3.5 strokes lost putting in two rounds. Not great. 1.7 around the green. Also, not very good. When uh, we try to reverse analyze all this stuff off the tee, let's see, Neiman was great. Uh, Neiman couldn't chip. I remember because I had money on him. It was an absolute disaster with Joaquin around the greens. See how much he's improved over the course of a year. Now he's going to be like the hot pick for the Masters if he can end up closing this out at Riviera this week. Uh, Keegan, you know, no big surprise that he couldn't putt. Uh, just absolutely dominated ball striking, even chipped well, and still came in T30th because that's what happens when you're Keegan Bradley and, used th and you lose three strokes per event. But again, having a good week at the Genesis. Could he ever string all four rounds together? I mean, he's done it, obviously. He's a major winner. He won a playoff event a few years ago. It could happen. It's not saying that's very likely to happen. Let's take a look at the modeling. For this event, uh, I brought it up before, so I'm going to go to the edit of the custom stat model so we can just take a look at what I've been looking at the past few years here. Strokes gained approach, 30%. Ball striking is 10%. Opportunities gained, 5%. Driving distance, I'm actually going to amp this up a little. I'm going to decrease approach by 5% just because I have it in opportunities gained and ball striking. It's very overweighted for me to begin with. And I have two proximity ranges in here. So obviously a big lean towards approach, which could be a flaw in how I try to parse out all my numbers. Obviously approach is the most important of all of the stats, the most predictive, uh, if there was anything predictive in golf moving forward, but to overweight it is just going to give me the same guys every single week. So let's see if we can try to find something else here. I'm going to bust out driving distance to 10%, keep fairways gained down at 5%. So 
I do think I have the 70-30 split in my column in terms of driving distance versus driving accuracy. We can go 66-33 here as we try to parse those two out. Par 4s, par 3s, par 4s 20%, par 5s 10%. I didn't put in the par 3s, although we did notice that that they were weighted higher than par 4s and par 5s, which is very unusual. But so much of that actually has to do with not going in the water that it's just taking random par three samples is not really going to parse out who's really good at holes of that range. Probably better to look at the proximity, probably better to look at the approach on things like that. Par fives at 10% proximity, 175 to 200, proximity 200, five and five, and then bogey avoidance, which I don't normally put in, put it five just in case you know, there's guys that get themselves at a lot of trouble. Let's load this in, see what we're looking at here. For the Honda Classic, I wonder who it likes, trying to think of who's in this field that it would like the best. Because we're going to get a lot of old info from some of the European Tour players who just have no stats so far. Again, this is past 50 rounds overall. Louis Berger. I mean, that tracks. Berger. We had Berger the year that he lost in the playoff to Patty. That was rough. I remember Feinberg and I watching that in the fantasy offices. I think that was 2015. It was a Monday morning playoff. It got pushed. That was always fun. So Louis, Berger, Sungjae, Vegas, and Mito Pereira are the top five coming in over the past 50 rounds. Swafford, Lowry, Kepka, Aaron Wise, Russell Knox. Russell Knox, strangely enough, is the best player on the bear trap basically ever. He's going to be most definitely in this field, like historically, yeah. Best players to par in the bear trap since 2007. Russell Knox is six under. Then it's like Hadwin, Scott Pickney. I think he was left-handed. I don't even really remember Scott Pickney. Alex Noren, minus five. And then it's Daniel Chopper and Henrik Bjornstad, who I legitimately do not remember whatsoever. So um, Noren, Noren's in the field. Maybe Noren's a look for us. We bet him like every year here before he turned bad. Now he's turning good a little bit again. You know, he used to love hard courses. This used to kind of be his jam. So maybe we need to give a look here. Who else kind of pops up? Woodland. I mean, I can get behind. I can always get behind Gary at any club down course. Neiman is up there as well. The Gim Reaper, number 13, Tringali, Bezadenhout. Man, if Bezadenhout can just hit a fairway, which he does, I know that the odds are going to like him. The books are savvy to Christian Bezadenhout. And one of these weeks, he's going to have that putting week that we're searching for. I doubt that I'm going to jump off the Bezadenhout bandwagon as of yet. Svensson and Aaron Rye are up there. Rye made the cut at the Genesis, so maybe we can take a look at him again. Another short hitter who hits those longer irons really well. That's what we really want to see. Svensson, very much the same way. So the guys that don't have a ton of distance, we want the accuracy to be up and the long iron play to be up. We want that correlation. Uh, and someone like Alex Smalley, who continues to drive the ball really well, uh, and this is past 50 rounds. He's only 47th in the field in terms of distance, but he is 33rd in fairways gain. So he's one of the few players that does have that extreme distance plus a modicum of accuracy to go along with it. That's always nice to see. You can see when I sort by driving distance gained over the past 50, you know, very few guys are going to pop up with pretty good driving numbers. Swafford uh, is one who's 24th and then 45th in accuracy. Mito Pereira is up there as well. Brennan Steele, I mean, he's not great. He's 88th in accuracy in a field of 144. Uh, Smotherman, 42 and 55. Smalley, 47 and 33. So those are a few guys you could potentially look at. Let's shrink this size down to past 24 just to see if it gives us any other names that kind of crop up to the top of the list. 
that maybe we weren't considering so much before. Sorry if this is a bit jarring this time through. Uh, it's the first time using the new setup. I'm looking at different screens. I got a different keyboard. Paul has been working while I've been away to get the new studio set up. So we're really, really hoping that all things are fire for Monday with Jeff. But you know, we'll see about that. Past 24 rounds driving distance gain. Anyone else pop up? We see that Seth Reeves, uh, the big lefty. I think he's the big lefty. Anyway, ninth and 68th. That's okay. Anyone else kind of crop up? Davis Riley, 25th. I mean, Davis Riley, okay. 16th and par fours gained. 24th and fairways gained. 25th and driving distance. 24th and opportunities gained. Okay. Don't hate that with Davis Riley as a potential long shot guy. We see Smotherman, uh, top 30 in distance, top 60 in fairways gained. Swafford's almost on that same level, but he's been the best of proximity from 175 to 200. So let's not write off our old guy, Hudson Swafford. Smalley goes from 39th to 19th, so that's really good. Uh, Sungjae is going to be up there. It might be a nice spot for a Sungjae rebound. Who else? Ricky Fowler, 45th and 54th. Obviously a former winner at this event. Seb Straka, someone who popped up in the top 10 of the leaderboard last year. Taylor Moore. Okay, here, some positive numbers here. Not the greatest numbers across the board, but as we can see, 52nd in driving distance, 45th in accuracy, 8th in par 4's gain, 5th in par 5 proximity, or par 5's gain, and top 60 in the field, 175 to 200, bad, from beyond 200 yards. Bogey avoidance is 11th, so the putter's been running really well for him. Nick Taylor, another one who's been pretty high up in bogey avoidance, not really great anywhere else across the board, but as we looked at last year, his approach was the best in the field for everyone who missed the cut, and you know maybe sometimes that's somewhat important. So let's do a deeper dive on Davis Riley. See, his only putting positivity comes from bermuda grass so that's good news because we're on bermuda this week uh let's take a look at how he's been finishing 49th at pebble beach has not really been very good with his approaches but at sony the corollary course he was t20 okay so let's take another look into sony see if we have some crossover names that could potentially pop up here that may have played pretty well we'll select the view two strokes gained obviously hideki beat henley uh, Seamus Power not in the field. Svensson was inside the top 10, so maybe we go back to Svensson. Keith Mitchell, a former winner at Honda, is up there as well. I didn't see Michael Thompson. Was Michael Thompson in the field this week? Didn't see him pop up on anything. It would be strange if he didn't play. There he is, Michael Thompson. I feel like he rebounded. Everyone used him at Amex, and he was crappy, but then he was good at Torrey Pines, if I recall. He was. He was 11th at Farmers, back-to-back miscuts at Pebble and Phoenix. No idea if he played Genesis or not. Uh, not going to hold my breath on that one. But see how he's played the Honda over the years. He's won this event before in 2013 at this course, and he's made the cut each of the past four years. Curious to see where he comes in. Does really well putting. I mean, overall, yes, he's a very good putter, but specifically at this course, has gained in each of the past five years. We can see that the approach numbers go down. I mean, he basically putted his way to a top 16 three years ago last year the approach wasn't great but he gained in all three other parts of the strokes gain metrics came t19 so we'll throw him on the list go back to davis riley for a second do we have any nah let's see sanderson firms that's bermuda these greens are going to play pretty fast bermuda greens i assume those are bermuda that's when he came inside the top 10 on the island course coastal windy that week as well as the week that pendrith blew it in the final rounds so he's made three of four cuts so far like that's not so far in 2022 uh, it hasn't been pretty mind you but if he can putt a little bit this week uh, it does seem to be shaping up for him at least based on the key stats that i'm looking at nick taylor 
Okay. Did not place only 33rd, 30th, 14th, missed the cut in Phoenix. Not sure if he played at Genesis or not. We can dig more into that a little bit later on. Taylor Moore, I believe he made the cut at the Genesis. T16 at Pebble. RSM, another short course on the coast, Bermuda Grass, came in sixth there. Sanderson Farms, another shorter course on Bermuda Grass, came T20. Uh, the books really love Taylor Moore, for what it's worth. Yeah, he always seems overpriced to me for where his skill set rests, but you can see he gains on Poa, gains on Bermuda. We're back on Bermuda, and it's not like he's a bad putter on Ben. He just doesn't happen to gain because he doesn't have that many qualified rounds. We look at it. You see a big corn fairy career. Uh, and then you look at the bottom and see stuff that he played the Canadian Open in 2016. Probably not too concerned about that. More what Taylor Moore has been up to lately. So Michael Thompson, Davis Riley, Nick Taylor, Taylor Moore. I think this is around the range that we want to go to here. Let's take a look at fairways gained overall and see if anyone T-dunks. Uh, you know, he's not the sh longest driver. Aaron Rye is another one that continues to pop up. Berger has been incredibly, I just worry about his back to be perfectly honest. I know he just took the week off. He should be good to go. What did he do his last time out? He missed the cut in Phoenix. However, see in the second round gained nothing lost. So uh, starting the weekend at the farmers loss, loss, loss on approach, which is kind of insane when you go and look to see how much he was gaining per round. So strokes gained ball striking, it was zero opportunities gain in the negative. So he didn't really turn it around at all. Uh, you can see in all the key proximity ranges way down. Uh, people suspect that he hurt himself round one at the farmers. And these stats would kind of indicate someone who was injured because it's way off his baseline for what he has done over the course of the past year. So, uh, I don't know what to do with Berger. I think it will depend DraftKings-wise on popularity. And because of that, he may not open as the betting favorite here. Take a look at the Todd father, because I was surprised to see him pop up all of a sudden in Phoenix and at Pebble. The approach has started to come around a little bit for our good friend, Brendan Todd. Obviously, he's going to chip the ball well. And you can see when the putter gets rolling, 4.9 strokes gained, 4.9 strokes gained. Uh, that was at Sony. was horrendous off the tee. But if he can just hit fairways all of a sudden, you can see even the shorter courses where he does well. My Koba, 11th. Wyndham, T10. Charles Schwab, another short course. It's on bent grass, but T8 for Brendan Todd that week. How was he at Honda a year ago? Did not play the Honda a year ago. Let's see how he's done in his career here. Honda, not great. Not great at all. In 2009, he was T32. Hasn't played it since 2016, though, so that's very misleading because we know Brendan Todd went into the biggest funk you could ever have. So maybe the Todd father is someone that we need to keep a closer eye on now that his game appears to be coming around a little bit. And we need him to roll it pretty well on the greens for that to go. But look, when you go and take a look at his overall, you know, he puts well on Bermuda and puts well on Bent. So there we go. And he plays very well in windy AF conditions, if that's ever going to happen. And this would be a week where something like that could end up happening. So Todd Father, I think we can throw on a short list. Should probably put a little star next to his name. I know nothing is in there as of yet. Don't want to take Kyle Stanley. He is going to put himself out of this tournament. That would just be you know, stellar for him. Aaron Rye. I don't know what to do with Denny. I think people will be on him because he was T5 at this course last year. Hickok had a run. It was either last year or the year before. I think he had a run at Sony earlier this year, too. Honda. Let's see. T30, T21. I think he was in the mix two years ago. Sorry, three years ago. He did not play it last year. So that's 2020, 2019. Uh, played really well T to green both those years, whether it was through the driving and then the approach the next year. Putted pretty well. How has he done at Sony? T20 at Sony this time around. Kramer. 
T19 at Sony, T45 at Sony. All right, so he's putting up results at the courses that we want to see him put up results at. It was Travelers last year where he lost in the playoff, yeah, to Harris English. So these are all guys that we can kind of get behind here. Just if we're scraping down deeper in the list, it's going to be really difficult to differentiate at the top, at least in my mind, solely because we have so many of the bigger names in this field having just come over from Europe, and how do we really parse any of those numbers? Like Fleetwood played really well. Lowry played okay, but not great. Uh, Hogard has the win and a bunch of missed cuts. Stenson and Poulter, who knows where they're at in their career. Poulter is someone I might be able to get behind here. Danny Willard, if it plays tough. Obviously, we always like Danny at places where things go super tough. So anything else we need to look at here? Proximity, just strokes gained approach overall. Berger, Swafford, Knox. Christian Bezadenhout, Mito. Knox is going to get overvalued because that stat will come up about him being the best player on the bear trap. I wonder what his results are for someone who plays the bear trap so well over the course of his career. How he has done at the Honda over the years. Miscut, miscut, 51st, miscut, miscut. He was third and second. That was the year. Second was the year that Rory won. The Tiger just missed the playoff upon his return. I think that Palmer, I think that Palmer and Henley were in that playoff too. And there was a fourth member, I think. Yeah, Henley, no, Henley won beating Rory, Knox, and Palmer in the playoff. That's how it all turned out. And that was not the Tiger year, mind you. That was Billy Hurley. Billy Hurley the third. Came in fifth, David Hearn, Will McKenzie. This is a throwback of it. Sergio, great ball striking is always going to go a long way. I remember when Scott won this in a runaway. Sergio was up there that same year. I think Rose was also lingering around that leaderboard. Let's take off the custom model and just go back to strokes gained for a minute, just so we can take a look at some custom type of filters that you can use on Fantasy National. Let's click on the Nicholas link. The Jack Nicholas design to see who the best players, almost like the Pete Dye feature. Uh, let's take a look at Tita Green. Not take a look at putting. We'll take a look at Tita Green here. Fleetwood, Reed, Kevin Streelman, Duffner, Steele are the five best players Tita Green on Nicholas courses. Now, not every Nicholas course is going to be created equally. If you play at Mirfield Village and PGA National over and over, then you know it's going to be... You know, a bit tougher. You can see the courses that are included. Those will populate on the left-hand side here under all records. Glen Abbey is up there, which is a super easy course. Obviously, Mirfield for the workday was a little bit easier, but Mirfield Village in general is very difficult. The Nicholas Tournament course at the American Express, pretty easy. PGA West uh, gets thrown into this mix as well. I don't know why, because I PGA West, sorry, PGA National Now I got this all confused in my mind. The Nicholas Tournament course is for one of them you know, it's one of the west coast ones concession that was very difficult valhalla they haven't played in ages so you kind of have to pick and choose with what these numbers are telling you but you can see aaron wise ct pan sam Ryder, chase seifert kramer hickok Ryder, and seifert both had excellent performances along with ct pan at this tournament a year ago and that's only four rounds and it's including 24 21 and 12 for chase seifert lowry has done very well fowler obviously billy ho i'm curious to see his odds because he just he hasn't got it together tita green yet this year yet he continues to have good performances like off the tee he was great in phoenix putted really well in phoenix he's he's putted well at almost every event so far the approach is progressively been getting better at least he didn't lose in phoenix but everything else has been pretty good if we can catch a heater here with billy ho you think this would be a tournament 
where he would play well. Uh, and you can see it's been a mixed bag for him. He's made the cut four of the past five years, two top tens, a 16th. So it's around where you want to be gained nine strokes putting one year when he had none of it on T to green. It was minus 3.6 strokes gained T to green. So Billy Ho is definitely going to have my interest, probably more than someone like Ricky Fowler, whose odds are going to be ludicrous this week. I think Matt Jones actually made the cut this week at Genesis. If we scroll on through it, and it's been a mixed bag for him, miscut. Although he made the cut in Phoenix, he makes the cut at Genesis. At least he's trending back up to where you want him to be. Everyone said you had to use him in Phoenix. That's his home course. Yeah, worked out really well. I mean, listen, I use guys who missed the cut, so who am I to talk? But it just seems like a really weird way to go through it. I think we learned this with Ryan Palmer at Colonial all those years, that sometimes it's a disadvantage to have a guy who is a member at a course because the setup just isn't going to be the same as they're used to seeing it on a week-to-week basis. So you always have to keep that in mind when someone is going to be one of the preeminent players from their course who's playing in a tournament. Obviously, you have former winners. I can't remember if Woodland won this or not. I think that he did. He may have come like fourth that year that Ricky won. Either way, he's up there. Sungjae's up there. Svensson's played well with these. Nicholas Designs, TD Green. Obviously, the putting hasn't been very good for him. Stenson, KH Lee. Lee was in the mix two years ago here, I want to say. Backed him live at like 100 to 1, and they put the ball in the water. That was the end of him. I think that was the Kramer Hickok year because there was a whole bunch of guys. VJ somehow was lingering on the leaderboard that year as well. Take a look at putting, who puts well on Nicholas courses. Obviously, Mackenzie Hughes, no big shocker there. Berger, Haggy, Willett, Horschel, Michael Thompson, Bezadenhout, Roger Sloan, Lee Westwood. I mean, we could be talking about similar green complexes. I don't really know how much that translates, if this tells us anything. Can't hurt to look at, obviously. The worst putters, Lebiota, Fleetwood, the Gim Reaper. I mean, he's just a bad putter. Ari Eggs in 18 rounds at Nicholas courses is just horrendous here. Memorial, Honda, Memorial, Workday. Yeah, at least he gained 2.1 at this course in the past. Gained in rounds two and three in 2020. So it's it's more Memorial that really kind of eats his lunch rather than Honda. Oh, this round is really bad. Whew. Minus 4.6 strokes gained into the negative last year for Ari Eggs at this event. I like Harry Higgs. We're going to throw him on the list as well. Oh, I didn't even realize Patty Harrington's in the field, a former winner of this event. I have no idea what he has been up to. I think he had one decent Euro performance so far this year. I have no idea what he's done the rest of the time. Obviously, he's playing the Masters due to his fourth place finish at the PGA Championship last year. So he's getting some extra reps in as we go through. Let's click off the Nicholas filter and click on the difficult course filter. Let's see if we can find that here. Hitting fairways, difficult. Scoring relative to par is what we want. Difficult. So just strokes gained total on courses like that. Louis, Tringali, Reed, Wise, Berger, Streelman, Wolf. That's two for Streelman. Couldn't tell you what he has done over the years at the Honda Classic. But obviously with FantasyNational.com, we can search this. Makes the cut basically every year. Best finish was T13 in 2009, though. So he's around because he's going to hit every single fairway. Doesn't get himself into too many problems, but rarely does enough scoring to really do much. It would be price dependent on him. 36 and 47, 71 the past three years, and he had taken a five-year layoff in between 2019 and 2013, if you were wondering. Wolf, Kepka, Denny, 
Rogers, Aaron Rye is back up there as well, and only 18 rounds at difficult courses and still searching the past 24 rounds overall. Let's put on an extra filter, though. Courses less than 7,200 yards and courses from 7,200 to 74. So you get your shorter difficult tracks, then your midsize difficult tracks, which this will be depending on where the tees are going to be placed at any given day. And it gives us a bigger sample overall as well from courses to draw from rather than having the over 74. Like, I don't know how much Torrey Pines correlates with this place. When we sort it by that, Reed is the best player in the field. Something has happened to Patrick Reed. I don't know if it's the driver change to a crappy driver or whether when he spent like three weeks for his unknown illness in the hospital, that truly affected him. He, he really hasn't been the same player outside of that one tournament in Bermuda, although you're probably going to catch like a hundred to one on Patrick Reed at this tournament, which is just bonkers to think. Reed, Berger, Tringali, Sungjae, Lowry are your top five. Fleetwood, Woodland, Steele, Denny McCarthy, Nick Watney is the overall top ten. That's for strokes gained total on difficult scoring relative to par courses under 7,400 yards. You also have Matt Jones, Kevin Streelman, Aaron Wise, Aaron Rye, Mackenzie Hughes. That's only five rounds. For Aaron Rye, only three rounds for Alex Smalley, but he is number 17th on that list. Knox is 17. Then you have Mitchell, you have Harmon. Harmon's been playing better golf. Then you got Sebez down at number 20. I believe his swing coach or his trainer recently passed away. That's why we haven't seen too much from Brian Harmon, but he's been putting up some results so far this year. Made the cut in every appearance, 48th, 3rd, 65th, and 14th. I remember I went all in on Brian Harmon here one year, and I think he was like 13 over par. That would be this year, 2016. Yeah, it was not a great run for old Brian Harmon. really scarred me to Brian Harmon. He does have an 11th and a 12th here in his career. Generally plays this tournament, did not play it a year ago and has only missed the cut three times in 10 performances. So potentially someone you can go to now that he's playing a little bit better golf. You can see the off the tee and approach was really good in Phoenix. The approach was excellent at the American express, which obviously is a shorter course uh, at PGA West. And obviously there's the Nicholas design there as well, not included in the strokes gained approach though. Uh, And the Sony open, he was kind of a disaster and putted his way out of it, but he did manage to sneak through the cut line. Sometimes uh, having a good putter on your side can Put the variance on your side. I mean, that's just the way that it rolls sometimes. So that is what we are looking for in terms of stats at PGA National this week. If we try to guess the odds, it's going to be kind of difficult to guess the odds on this one. It's going to be Berger or Kepka. I'm thinking. So you have Berger, Kepka. I don't know how the books are going to value Brooks. He's played this tournament well in the past. Then you have Louie up there as well. That's And Sungjae. Neiman winning, actually, even with Neiman's performance, he's going to end up being pretty good. But those are likely your top five this week in terms of odds. Berger, Brooks, Louie, M, and Neiman. The one thing that we're seeing in this tournament versus what we've seen in other tournaments so far this year, in every other tournament for that matter, is we don't have an elite player. Yes, Brooks is an elite player overall. The books do not treat him as if, as if he is an elite player because he's so inconsistent. So, like, Berger's a very good player. But are they going to hang the the can't lay eight to one, can't lay nine to one on us? I very much doubt it. So I'm thinking twelve to one for Berger, fourteen to one for Brooks, fourteen to one for Louis, fourteen to one for Sungjae, sixteen to one for Neiman. We might not even get the twelve. This might start at fourteen and go fourteen to twenty and just have a cluster of guys. This twenty, like twenty to forty range, is going to be jam packed because you're going to have your Fleetwoods, your I mean Lowry might not end up coming in until like. I don't know, let's say 
30 to 1, 33 to 1. I always, I'm such a slut for Shane Lowry, especially at tournaments like this. But like, then you have your Billy Horschels. Is this Horschel 22 or is he 28? He's going to fall somewhere in there. What will Ricky be? Ricky probably should be 100 to 1, but is he going to be like 33 to 1? Pretty sure that he's on the cover, like when I opened up the package for the Honda Classic this year. I'm pretty sure that Ricky Fowler's the cover guy for it. So that's never the greatest thing. I might take a two or three favorites. Lucas Herbert is someone I didn't even really mention that I like on these coastal courses. When you go look at where he has played well, he got his win in Bermuda earlier this year. He won on a coastal course, a very windy track over in Ireland on the European tour a year ago. You worry about him because he is an awful, awful driver of the ball. And that might just put him in the water most of the time, but still someone to figure out. Higo is in this field as well. So Bezadenhout, Higo... Lowry, Horschel, I mentioned the other guys, Davis, Riley. Obviously, I'm going to dig into this more. And if you subscribe to the newsletter, then obviously, then you're going to have more research stats. I'll have a ton of stuff in there on Sunday night to get you started. My column will be up on DK Nation. We'll have the shows. I might even bring back the live chat to commemorate the studio being operational. But that hinges on the fact that the studio needs to be operational for that to happen. So anyway, that will do it for me on the show remember to play in the DraftKings league that's down in the description now smash the like on the way out sub to mayo media mayo media network tell a friend while we're along with it as well thank you all for watching i'm pat mayo i'll see you next time experience experience